Hello, and welcome to Sonoran Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast, The Gun Rack. And welcome to the Gun Racks, Northern Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey. And today with me we have I'm Drew Poplin. I'm back. They brought me back. Hey. I am as shocked as all of you, but I'm very happy to be here. Yes, we have Drew Poplin. For those of you who missed last week's episode, Drew Poplin is going to be with us for the next. A uh, couple of months doing some content marketing stuff. A lot of the things that you see uh, on our social media channels and on the website, he's going to be helping us with. And uh, in that uh, kind of family of things he's working on, uh, he's going to be joining me for uh, quite a few of the podcast episodes. And uh, he's going to be kind of a co host with us. And uh, speaking of that, uh, I have one chapter I would like to close. Um, in regards to uh, the podcast, um, for those of you who have listened for a while, uh, this is probably not news at this point, uh, but uh, the wonderful Theo Suceris and uh, Caleb Tillery both are no longer uh, going to be hosts of the gun rack on, on alternate weeks. Uh, you've probably noticed that at this point. Uh, nothing, nothing bad happened uh, at all. It actually has happened because they have become so productive in uh, other parts. They're both still part of the SDI family uh, that simply they are uh, they're they're so busy working that uh, it's back to me. So uh, we thank both Caleb and Theo for all the wonderful content they helped create. Um, but we are we're back in house with the marketing team full time, baby. So today uh, is going to be our second. Uh, podcast episode with myself, Andrew Poplin. The first week, uh, we talked about the uh, some firearms that may or may not have come before their time. A few of them were pretty genuinely ahead of their time, and then a few of them were just weird, <laughs> and and a lot of them were uh, ugly. Um, and and man, were they ugly! But the um, today we're going to talk about something else, something fun that I think you guys are going to like. Um, and if you guys do like it, we're going to, uh, we're talking about maybe making it a segment uh, as, as just part of a regular thing we do here at the Gun Rack, maybe once a week or uh, once every other podcast or so. We're going to include Tales from the Gun Range. Tales, Tales from the Range. Yep. Where and the Glock and the Martini play. If you have a Martini that you have available to play. Uh, please contact us. You've been holding out on us. You would be our best friend. Yeah, you've been holding out on us for a long time. Um, the the story for this is we're going to tell uh, tales about weird stuff that happens at the gun range within uh, the realm of uh, sanity. Uh, we're still going to be you know talking about stories uh, within the context of proper uh, range etiquette and gun safety and all of those important things. But even within that. As we all know that have been, just like any other thing that we're passionate about, weird stuff happens when you go and, and try to do stuff. Uh, people that go fishing have fishing stories. Uh, people uh, that are as exciting as myself have disc golf stories. 
Uh, but range day stories are some of the best that you can get. Uh, so Drew has gone and scoured the internet for some of our favorites, and we've turned out a few uh, that are that are really actually pretty funny. Um, they don't necessarily have to be funny. All of these pretty much are, um, and they're certainly of note. So we're just going to go dramatic reading style one at a time and just alternate mm. uh, through some of these very excellent stories. So um, I'll go ahead and lead off with this first one. Then we'll Drew can, can catch the next one, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll go we'll go through there. I think we've got five of them for you today, including two personal ones. Uh, one apiece from Drew and myself. So story one, credit for this goes to one Sergeant Tibbs. Is that of Reddit fame? Yes, it is. These Oof. first two are actually straight from uh, Reddit. Uh, Sergeant Tibbs, the Honorable Sergeant Tibbs, if you will. <laughs> I have a P-22 and some unobservant friends. Already off to a great start yep. right there. Yep. So, so one day we were taking turns shooting and the friend shooting that turn had forgotten to take the safety off. Click. The P-22 can fire in double action, so he tries again. Click. Give it here, I say. And as he hands it over, I secretly flip it off safe and fire around. Bang. As I hand it back to him, I secretly put the safety back on again. He takes aim and fires. Click. Click, 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 click. I said, dude. What the expletive deleted are you doing? I take it, flip the safety off, and fire off a few more rounds. Bang, bang, bang! I hand it back to him, flipping the safety back on. At this point, my other friend has seen me flipping the safety on and off and is struggling to keep silent. He's red as a tomato from holding in laughter and has started to make squealing noises. Click! Expletive deleted. Now we both burst out howling with laughter and he, as he inspects the gun, failing to find the problem. He's angry and swearing, and we're dying on the line next to him. So finally, I regain uh, myself enough to reach up to the gun and slowly flip off the safety. It was about a week before we finally stopped giggling about it. Now, I'd say there are two types of people in this world. Is it the people that make lists of two types of people and those that don't? uh, If that could... There's... there's, Would it be three (laughs) or four at this point? I... I don't know, because we'd have to make a Venn diagram. There are people in this world. There are people in this world? Uh, I know that's a very controversial, bold statement, but that's why you come here to the gun rack. Yep. Um, Joey, growing up, uh, first off, did you ever grow up with friends who were also interested in firearms? I did. Uh, Not a lot of them. Uh, Like, friends from my school weren't particularly interested in them. Mm. Uh, but I went to uh, an organization that, like the Boy Scouts that was hosted by uh, my church. And that entity um, had a firearm safety component to it. And um, I got to you know, practice shooting there once. I'm guessing that this story probably didn't take place in um, that sort of environment. No, um, I would not think so. Yeah. Um, I gotta be honest, I feel bad for the friend. Yeah, that's, I mean, okay. So it depends on a couple things. One, if he doesn't, if he's never seen the P-22 before, I give him a little bit of a break. But also, 
knowing where a safety is and how to operate it, it's like range safety 101. You'd hope you'd know how to do that. Kind of regardless. So you would think that would have been part of, I mean, I know you go tap, rack, bang to, you know, basics of troubleshooting. Um, But you would think looking at the safety would be pretty quick in there. Um, But but I do give credit to the, the shooter um, who's able to flip the safety on and off on the sly like four or five oh, times. Right? That is pretty impressive. Well, listen, you don't become Sergeant Tibbs by not having some uh, skills in stealth. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah, he's definitely... Yeah, they don't just give Reddit names <laughs> out willy-nilly. So, um, okay. Drew, take on the next one. <laughs> next one is from uh, Captain... Bloodface, which if he loves Sergeant Tibbs, Captain uh, Bloodface is either better or worse. Yes, um, took a friend and his new girlfriend to the shotgun range. We were using my gun, so I felt it was my duty to show her how to use it. She tells me she grew up around guns. Dad taught her how to shoot when she was a kid. She knows what she's doing, so I back off, not wanting to be condescending. She proceeds to put the butt of the gun over her shoulder like a bazooka and pull the trigger. Luckily, she didn't know how to load it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's funny because the um, I mean, it's two stories into one. Um, the I've seen lots of people do the butt of the gun over the shoulder situation. Really? Yeah, I've seen that more than once. When we were kids, uh, my brother did the same thing. Uh, at a shooting range at a at an actual turkey shoot um, like a competition around oh. a Thanksgiving they were like are you experienced uh, they're you know they're being supervised because we were you know younger and uh, he said yes um, and then he threw the thing over his shoulder and before he had time to before the range master had time to fix him he pulled the trigger and uh, clocked himself in the eye pretty bad. Gave himself a nice shiner. And, uh, I mean, frankly, he was lucky it wasn't worse than that. I can't remember what the situation with iPro was. I'm assuming he had it. This is many, many years ago at this point. I don't know whether he just knocked it off or didn't have it sitting correctly or what. But uh, I remember the shiner. Um but yeah, that was a rough one. The um, not knowing how to load it—that's special. That's wonderful. Mm. Um, the again, if you were handed a firearm, granted, yours, you assume that it's loaded, but you also need to check that firearm for yourself, right? Mm. And uh, obviously, she—I mean, if she's putting it over her the butt of her gun over butt of the gun over her shoulder. Sorry. Uh, she's she's not knowing those basic <laughs> basic uh things so i don't know sounds like a net zero uh and i would recommend to uh captain bloodface of reddit um maybe if you if you are using your firearm uh, make absolutely sure that they know how to use the firearm hmm. um you, you've touched on an interesting point um and I say that this ultimately is a leadership issue. Yeah. And this falls directly on Captain Bloodface and, you know, maybe 
I, I I love the guy. I don't want to put Sergeant Tibbs in that area. Yeah. Uh, but someone's got to be telling these people not to be shooting shotguns, just like a bazooka. Yeah. Not yes. Not in this day and age, people. It's not. It's not the right move. Okay. This next one. I can empathize with. This is not technically a shooting range story, but it is it's it's a hunting story and hunting stories I think are fair game under this new segment we're exploring. Well, we made the segment, I figured. Yeah, it's out of thin air. So <laughs> we're going to we're going to do it anyway. And um I oh, you know what? Um I have two stories, so you're getting a bonus Ooh. story after this one. Uh, this reminded me of something else, of a photo I received um, from a from a hunter of mine. But we'll tell this story first, okay. and then we'll get into that one. Okay, so this is from uh, Greg Meredith from EdmondsonVoice.com. Uh, one of the funniest local hunting stories you'll ever read. Now, Edmondson, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Edmondson is... Um place in kentucky really yes yeah so this was um i found this um uh, from an online newspaper um or something similar to that mm-hmm. uh, so then i googled edmondson and uh kentucky showed up and uh honestly reading through the story it seemed like something that could happen there yep <laughs> this might be kentucky appropriate might be anywhere but if it's from edmondson kentucky Shout out to our friends in Edmondson. Mm. All, all <laughs> hundreds of you that are out there. Um, so yeah, who knows? Maybe Greg himself is listening to this right now, which would be great. Hello, Greg. In case he's not, in case if we have to tell a story for him, uh, I'll go ahead and get started on that. So Greg he goes out early one morning to his deer stand. Um, he's a pretty experienced hunter, so you know, this isn't his first rodeo. So after climbing about 24 feet, he finally reaches his stand and he whips out a tree umbrella because it's starting to rain. And after a short time, he's sitting there in a stand waiting for daylight, you know, just taking in that early morning air, kind of listening to the sounds. All of a sudden he starts smelling this smell, this, this very, very foul smell. Uh, suddenly, the tree starts shaking too. So yeah, at this point, he's probably wondering, you know, what is going on? You know, yeah, what could it? Because it, it, it's be a bear shaking the tree, uh, a cougar. Um, yeah, as he looks down, something unspeakable occurs. Joey, what did he see? He saw a raccoon. He saw a raccoon with a bad case of incontinence. Uh, in his words. Coon crap bounced off my tree brella with a splat. I don't know what this coon had been eating, but he must have just come from Taco Bell. At this point, I realize what's going on. Takes me a while sometimes. So I pull an arrow from my quiver and decide to poke this coon, which is about four feet above my head. I stand up, lean out, reach up, and then it happened. Now, folks, I've done some stupid things in my life, but never this ignorant. That coon grabbed the arrow with one hand and bit the arrow into his teeth. Or bit the arrow into with his teeth. All I have left is a carbon shaft, coon urine on my coat, and crap on my tree barella. 
Oh, and the most important thing, a highly ticked off coon. He commenced to growling like nothing I'd ever heard. He started backing down the tree towards me, and I swat him with the shaft I have in my hand. You cannot reason with a coon. He decides to jump on top of my treebrella. Now, you know that a treebrella cannot support the weight of a coon, so you guessed it. The coon is now in my lap, and all bodily functions go off at once. Houston, we have a problem. Not only am I covered with his bodily waste, but I have ruined my brand new hunting pants as well. This must have surprised the coon as much as me, because he is no longer growling, but is making a chatter of some sort. I realize with all the scent on me, he thinks that I am a coon. In fact, I even think I heard banjo music. Needless to say, I vacated the stand to the adjoining tree. He, however, took a sweet time sniffing everything as he descended down the tree. I can only hope he doesn't tell his friends. I have to say my favorite sentence in that entire thing was, you cannot reason with a coon. You cannot reason with a raccoon. Uh, you cannot do it. <laughs> followed up shortly by uh, now you know that now you know that a tree umbrella cannot support the weight of a coon. Yeah. <laughs> In our past experience, it's common knowledge at this point, really. Yeah. Um, however, I like Greg. I, I like, like Greg, Greg too. A lot. Greg sounds like a very interesting person to hunt with. It's. He's just an interesting dude. Now, I'm not entirely sure why his first response was to agitate and poke at the raccoon, but um, I do feel like you probably shouldn't make them angry. You shouldn't. They're not. They're pretty smart animals. Actually, I have currently trash all over my backyard um, as the result of a targeted hit by one very fat raccoon that I've seen come and go in the night. And I know it was a raccoon because he untied the trash bag rather than tear through it. Um, they're very odd creatures, and they have they have little hands. Um, they they'll mess with you, and they they're just devious creatures. Um, they're just trying to get some Taco Bell. Though. It's they yeah, and post Taco Bell, they're no easier to deal with. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, don't tick off a raccoon. Um, it's like, in, at one time I was hunting, and uh, there was an owl that uh, I guess I was stealthier than uh, I thought I was, because this thing lit uh, into the tree stand was, was into two separate trees right next to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, it was primarily in one, but it was lashed to a second one for support. And the owl lit into the second one within arm's reach pretty comfortably. And that was one thing where, like a raccoon, you're like, whatever, just tell it to go away. It's going to go away. That owl was at least two and a half feet tall. It was a very large animal. And I was sitting there and realized, I'm like, if I scare this thing, it could just kick my butt right now. I'm strapped into a tree. And it's a huge, uh, angry, or potentially angry animal. But just like the raccoon, don't get smart animals angry and uh raccoons are little stripy bandits they will play you for a fool if you let them honestly yeah. i would just avoid the woods altogether yeah you don't want to risk it yeah just don't never go into the it. woods again yes um everyone find a nice suburban home to live in never <laughs> hunt again that's the story of the gun right um yeah that's interesting you're talking about your owl story and uh 
That's my work as a nice segue uh, into my little personal anecdotes. Yeah. Um, so my first hunting experience, um, you know, I didn't grow up uh, doing a lot of hunting, doing much shooting. Um, you know, I wasn't like afraid of guns, but you know, I just didn't have much experience. Um, but I did have a little pellet gun and two acres of property around my house. So I decided to go uh, hunting for squirrels. So, you know, I, I see a squirrel, I shoot at it, and um, unfortunately I only wounded it. And I, I swear, I promise you, the squirrel looks at me. You know, this look of pain, not from the shot, not from being hurt, but I think it was maybe set, like disappointment um, or secondhand shame. Either way, it, it couldn't bear it, so it, it ran away. Um, so I didn't do a lot of hunting growing up, but yeah. <laughs> if you can't tell, but my grandfather did. Um, he did mainly, uh, it was uh, groundhogs. Um, we had them really bad, sort of in our area. You know, they tear up the yard, sort of the surrounding farm areas. It, just a nuisance. Yeah, maybe not on the level of, say, like a raccoon. You know. No, but groundhogs will ruin your day. Mm-hmm. They actually have to in the in the back here. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, maybe I should call my grandfather. Yeah. Um, so a year before I graduated college, uh, I went back home to my grandparents' house over the summer. Um, and, you know, it, I was just kind of trying to connect with them a little bit more. We were both pretty quiet individuals. Uh, and so I knew he liked groundhog hunting. So I suggested that we go out uh, at the spot near his house and do that. Um, so he agreed. So I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so I went, I grabbed my dad's 22 rifle uh, and walked with my grandfather over to the spot. Um, now, as many of you hunters know, you tend to spend most of your time in silence or in relative silence, oh, just yeah. waiting. Uh, same, same thing with fishing. Um, it's why I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> even in a spot and stock style hunt where you're pursuing the prey, there's a lot of mm-hmm. you got to know how to be still, yeah. or or you're not going to hunt very well. Uh, I'll I'll stick with duck hunt. Um, <laughs> the video game? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so you know, I felt like I was staking out like a hideout or something. You know, so we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting until finally we decide that you know. It's probably not happening today. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, you know, he's kind of disappointed. So um, he decided, you know, look, look we're going to make something of this. So he walks out into this field, um, found this old paper plate, um, which why it was there, I have no idea. But he found an old paper plate, put it up on a stick, uh, and he was going to use that for target practice. And he walks back. Um, he took... Uh, Maybe about five minutes to do so. So at this point, he's pretty, kind of agitated. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that, you know, as, as his grandson, I could make him proud. And growing up in the South, you know, one way to make, you know. Yeah. Make Pappy proud. <laughs> yep. So, you know, he tells me, go ahead, you know, take a shot at it, take a couple shots at it, you know. With the, this weight of expectation on me, I gather myself. Cock the gun. 
kind of get into like a nice stance, you know, nice, yeah. you know, nice weight distribution across both feet. And I raise my rifle, take a second, squeeze the trigger and nothing. Not even a shot, not, not a click, just, just nothing. Um... So I know what you're thinking. Oh, is this another uh, Sergeant Tibbs yep. story? Uh, not quite. You know, I didn't want to give away that something was wrong. Again, I knew that guns had safeties. So I discreetly made sure that the safety wasn't on. No, nope, that couldn't be it. About that moment it hit me, I lowered my rifle. Um... So my grandfather, he's confused. He's asking me, like, oh, what's the matter? You know, why aren't you taking a shot? Um, which I don't know exactly how I found the courage to tell him this. Um, but just calmly and matter-of-factly, I tell him that I can't shoot at the target because I forgot to put bullets in the magazine. <laughs> um, which, you know, the good news is I think that... It was so shocking and so funny to him that it lightened his mood a lot. Um, but I don't think I'm going to impress him uh, with my marksmanship anytime soon. Um, yeah, <laughs> believe that. Maybe by the time we're uh, we're we're done with a, a few episodes, we can give it a shot, impress him once more. Uh, I hope that pun was not intentional. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, it actually was not intentional. Well, well, well done, then. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Plus, anyone who's got enough land where you can safely hunt varmints mm-hmm. is someone I have to befriend. Yes. So, yes. anyone who can paper plate shoot on their own property is going to be my buddy. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got two stories for you. They're both a little bit shorter than that. But the first one is one I was just thinking of as we were talking here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not mine necessarily, but uh, someone shared this with me. I was part of a a, um, a hunting group on Facebook. And I got a, a little notification. It was like, check this out. Ooh, and uh, okay. he had climbed a tree mm-hmm. early in the morning. Uh, very early in the morning. So it was dark. He, you know, there's no, it was heavy cloud cover, so he couldn't see um, above him very well, and he couldn't really see out very well. So he kind of just climbed up into an island. And for those of you who tree stand hunt, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, there's this sense where you are just the only thing in the world, uh, at least till the sun rises. You get 20 or 30 minutes of just silence. So this dude climbs up into the silence and sits. But as the sun comes up, no deer are to be found, and he's a, a whitetail hunter, and uh, he can't figure it out because the tree is like it is a very successful stand for him historically. Uh, he's pretty by himself, and uh, there's like he he's assuming somehow that he did not like scent guard himself properly or something. Like he's assuming they they smell him and aren't coming around, but it's like mid rut. There should be deer anyway, because I don't know, uh, Drew uh, doesn't hunt very much, but uh, when deer hit mating season, they're insane. They're patently insane. I've um, I've had to avoid enough deer with my car. I live yeah. out in a rural area, so uh, I am very familiar with how um, 
how crazy there was there was one morning hunt recently actually the most recent deer i got um i was done hunting for the day and was Mm -hmm. a little ticked off because just like this story i'm you know gonna finish shortly um i there there was nothing and there should have been lots i saw 15 or 16 deer every time i was up there um there was nothing so i climbed down not quietly because i was done for the day um and uh, I stepped down. This is before, uh, I think it was like 10 a.m. This, you know, there's no sunset hunting involved here. But um, I hear this noise and I see what looks like a wild dog come flying across my peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. And it was a buck with its head low. When, they, when bucks get in heat, they lower their heads like a dog. Um, because the only thing they, they don't care about where they're looking, they're just chasing pheromones. Mm-hmm. Um, this buck is sprinting after a doe and these two animals cross in front of my face, like six feet away, could not possibly have cared less that I was there. And that's, that's how I got a deer. Um, I waited for them to pause cause they were both exhausted at that point. And, um, that's, that's how I harvested my most recent one, but. Um, That's like divine providence right there. Right? Yeah. But this guy is up in the tree and he's mad mm-hmm. um, because nothing is happening. And then he hears a weird noise and he hears it above him. And he's like, crap, what is above my head right now that's making that noise? And he looks up and he sends this photo and I wish I still had it. I saved it. There are at least half a dozen black bears in the trees above him just hanging out. Uh, they had been there all day. They're just looking at him. Because, you know, black bears, they, I mean, don't go provoking a black bear. You'll have a bad time. But often, they're not going to, of all the bears to yeah. run into, they're not. They're the least likely to really ruin your day. Um, they're, they're the most on the scale of Baloo and yes. they're in Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good scale. They're, they're the closest to Baloo of all of them. They're not, uh, unless they're starving or you uh, appear to be threatening young or something mm-hmm. existential like that, uh, they're very rarely going to bother you. Uh, often they want, uh, like, trash, but that's really it. Uh, they're just looking at him, just hanging out in the tree. So he sends his photo, and it's just a photo of him looking up and just black splotches in oh all the trees goodness. above him. And it's late enough in the season where, like, the leaves are gone. So it's just, it looks like... Uh, bears on marshmallow skewers in the sky. <laughs> Absolutely freaky. Beautiful photo. I, I don't know why I, how I lost it, but it was really cool. But that was not the rain story I meant to tell. Uh, the rain story I meant to tell uh, is this one, which I don't think I have ever shared publicly. Um, if I have on the gun rack and forgot, just forgive me. If not, uh, this will be a, a gun rack exclusive Um, So when I was 18 or 19, I was at a firearms range um, on private property. And the firearms, uh, the targets, were placed in front of an extremely large berm. Um, I mean, it was upwards of like 20 feet deep and uh, 12 or 13 feet. It's it's the biggest berm still to date that I've ever seen Mm. at a firearms range. Big, big, big. Um berm and to date i had only ever been to a um 
a firearms range that was indoors because mm-hmm. uh, I was still relatively new to the world of firearms. So that experience was new. Uh, but this was, I was with people who had the fortune of having lots of ammunition. Uh, so under supervision, um, I was given the opportunity to fire some new firearms that I had never had the opportunity to shoot before. It was the first time I shot uh, anything resembling like an AK patterned rifle. I think I shot an AR-15 there. Oh, that would not have been my first time doing that, but one of the first times. A couple of 12-gauge shotguns and a few handguns. And handguns actually was the last thing I ever shot. So uh, we're at this range, we're shooting stuff, um, and I'm being kind of instructed on some of the basics as we go. Uh, from some people that were uh, very kind. Some of these people I didn't even know. They were just friends of friends, and they were kind enough to just kind of walk me through some of the basics like you hope to find if you're a newbie at the range, right? Uh, Lots of those good range mentor types. And uh, one of them says, hey, try this uh, firearm out. I don't remember what it was. Um, It was was some version of a striker-fired compact 40 caliber handgun. It might have been a car, K-A-H-R, uh, might have been a Glock. It's it's long enough ago that I don't recall. Sure. Um, but there was a compact 40 caliber handgun. And for those of you who listen to the podcast um, regularly, you know I hate 40. And this is one of the reasons why. When I was there, I... Uh, they gave me hollow points to shoot. Apparently, they had gotten a, a deal on uh, you know quant- a large quantity of hollow points because it was it was a big thing of, of ammunition. So they they let me load up a magazine and they let me walk up to the range and I'm standing there. And it was one of those times. It was basically a range day, but there was a lull, so it was just me on the firing line. And I'm standing there, kind of awkwardly. Um, and I'm sh- I start to shoot this firearm, and uh, it's for one thing, it's a compact 40, which is n- really, really not something you should put into the hands of a, a very close to brand new shooter. That's not a condemnation of anyone who was uh, helping me out and uh, sure. yeah. and and working uh, with me. It's just what we had, and they wanted to give me experience in a wide variety of firearms platforms uh but those of you who shoot a lot um know uh that 40 can kick in a weird and particularly annoying way it's why it's not uh very popular uh among the the big name calibers it's still i mean it's more popular than like 32 acp but um 9 and 45 tend to be more popular than it um because a lot of the things that it uh can do uh, are uh, you can do them with uh, the ammunition from nine millimeter or forty five at this point, uh, which doesn't make the the pop the weird unpleasant pop of forty caliber uh, really worth it at this point in my opinion. That's not an SDI opinion, but I'm shooting this firearm, and I shoot one. It's it feels weird. My grip shifts uh, because I'm new. Two same thing struggling to get anything on target and then three and i am uh whacked in the knee on the third 
and I can't figure out what happened. Um, it was enough to make me like, like the gun didn't go flying or anything. It stayed pointed downrange. Uh, what had happened, I don't know if it was that round specifically. I assume so. But when I pulled the trigger that third time, a round went into the berm, mushroomed. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, with hollow point, uh, once it makes contact with a hard surface, the front uh, will kind of, it'll look like a mushroom cap because it's uh, expanding. Uh, that's the point of a hollow point. Uh, it's to let the bullet stop faster and also to provide more stopping power. Um, this bullet mushroomed, somehow turned around and bounced back at me and hit me in the knee. So somehow, without doing anything, <laughs> like I, I swear no safety rules are broken in the making of this video, um, but somehow I managed to shoot myself in the knee with a hollow point uh, round that was moving, I mean, it was probably moving as fast as an airsoft BB at that point. It, was, it left a bruise, but not enough to, you know. I still probably didn't film it. It was, a, it was more of a surprise than anything else. If you're a new shooter on the range and something unexpected happens, you freak out. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, so it scared me to death. Everyone there who saw it thought it was the, I mean, everyone there was like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. I keep bringing it up to people I interview on the podcast that are far more experienced with arms than I, and they go, I've never heard of that happening. Um, very weird experience, but I had a, I, for a little while, I had a bruise to prove it. And uh, I've shot 40 cents, but I've never been happy about it. And every time I do, I think about that one day at the range where it being a hollow point may very well have saved the integrity of my left knee. <laughs> Um, super weird uh, thing to happen at a range and a very weird thing to happen uh, with a huge dirt burn like it's just weird um, so that is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me at a range which is honestly why you should wear knee pads everywhere you go yeah it's I mean rule number one Kevlar knee pads yes everywhere you go grocery store check because um, no one wants a bruise yes no one wants a bruise which is why you always 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 bust mare knee protection it's yeah eye protection hearing protection knee protection i think it's safe to say that's not officially a sdi not official opinion. sdi policy perhaps <laughs> just a bit yes. uh that we're doing right now um so <laughs> don't be very confused later please because i have to read those comments um but for now that's the the pile of stories we have to unload on you today uh, we hope you enjoyed it. That was great. Yeah, we, I, had, I, we had a lot of fun. I feel like we learned some lessons. We did learn today. some lessons. Yeah, I, Don't make raccoons angry. Uh, Wear knee pads. Get a selfie with a bear if you can. Get a selfie with a bear if you can. Uh, um, when you can. But also, maybe don't do that. Because it's, it's kind of dangerous. And we want to hear from you guys, too. Uh, I want to hear specifically what you think is more embarrassing. Shooting yourself... Uh, at a gun range, or not shooting anything because you didn't put bullets. you didn't put bullets in the magazine, <laughs> or putting the shotgun over your shoulder like a bazooka. Yes, yes. I don't know why that's such a common thing. I've only ever seen it with shotguns too, which is doubly weird. Well, I think it looked a little weird if you had like a little Walter just over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. 
I don't know if you could put a handgun over your shoulder while maintaining proper uh, range safety. Honestly, at that point, or a little cricket twenty two. Yeah, let's yeah. do that and also stay safe, and then we'll. I don't even know what we'd do. Uh, be impressed, probably. But for now, that's going to be the gun rack. Mm-hmm. Have fun out there, everyone. And we'll see you at the range. Preferably a little better than these people did. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school located at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. Accredited by the DEAC. For more information, please call 800-336-8939 or visit sbi.edu.